Welcome to First Baptist Fringewood. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm one of the ministers here, and we've been walking uh, through the book or the letter of Philippians for multiple weeks now. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians. If you don't have a Bible, look on with someone around you, or we'll throw it on the screen. Uh, but as I was preparing for this week, uh, it reminded me of a time where in our parking lot years ago, there were these black spots that kept popping up. Uh, and so I started thinking, somebody, somebody's vehicle is leaking on the Lord's parking lot. They, they need to fix something, right? Uh, and, and so a few weeks go by, and I'm like, man, where are these coming from? Uh, and then one of our staff members said, hey, Matt, I think your truck is leaking. I go, nah, <laughs> no way. So I go out there, and sure enough, uh, the rear differential on my truck is just drip, drip, drip. So I was, I was the guy, and I was like, you know what? We're going to go get this fixed. That's fine. So I went to one of the auto places. I won't name them. Uh, but I went, and I got a quote, and it was almost $1,000. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, well, maybe it's going to leak a little longer. I don't know. Uh, but I, I looked, and I found online the part was like 50 bucks. I'm like, what the mess? What's going on? Uh, and so I, back then... You could go to like AutoZone or O'Reilly's and they sold these books that told you everything you want to know about your vehicle. And I thought, I can do this. I'm, a, I'm in college, right? Like I can, I can read instructions and follow them. So get this book. Uh, and it turns out just the words and telling me what to do. I was thinking, okay, maybe this is a little over uh, my head. But no fear. I had two really good things going for me. Number one, a little thing called YouTube. Uh, and so even back then, you could find online, uh, usually it's a country boy, right, like, that can show you how to do anything. And they'll walk you step by step. So I found this guy, and he had his own channel. He's like, I like my channel. I'll show you how to do anything. And so my rear pinion seal was leaking, and he's going to go step by step and video as he does it. And he goes, step one, you pop a cold one. And so he opens it up, throws it back. Apparently, that's how he starts every repair. Uh, you can skip step one, though. I still, I still made it. I started with step two. And it was like, okay, we're going to keep rolling. The second thing I had going for me uh, is my dad was a mechanic for 30 plus years. Uh, and so not just the perfect instructions from the manufacturer did I have at my disposal, uh, but I had a video of someone doing it and of my dad in the flesh walking me through as I'm taking off the drive shaft and this flange that wouldn't cooperate. Uh, I got it in there. It wasn't as easy as the video. He was just like tap, tap, tap. I was more like tap and then the circle would come out, tap, it come out. But we got it done. Uh, but that's where we are in the book of Philippians. Paul has been writing. He called him up. This is a church he helped plan when you read the book of Acts. He called him up on his imprisonment. He's in Rome right now for speaking the name of Jesus. Paul was not shady, uh, but he, he kept proclaiming Jesus is the way to the Father. And so they're taking him for trial before Caesar, and he's catching them up on his imprisonment. And he's like, hey, there's, there's people in Caesar's guard, his personal guard, that are hearing the gospel, and they're putting their faith in Jesus. There's other people proclaiming the gospel, trying to get me in trouble, like they're doing it out of selfish ambition. But he says, either way, the gospel is being proclaimed, and that's really good. And then you keep reading in chapter 1. One, and he's going to encourage the church in Philippi. Hey, you guys, live a manner worthy of the gospel. And then right before this in chapter 2, he says, your supreme example is Jesus. Like, just follow him. Like, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, like this unity in the spirit through humility. And he's like, you want to know how to do it? Look at the life of Jesus. He, he put on flesh. 
He was obedient unto death. Like he gave up his godness, set it aside. He was fully God, fully man, but he said, I'm going to be obedient even to death on a cross to pay for our sins. He goes, look at that guy. Uh, And then in today, Paul gives us two more examples, and he gives the church in Philippi and to us to follow as we strive to live a life worthy of the gospel. So again, if you got your Bibles or you want to take a look at the screen, Philippians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 19. So Philippians 2, this is Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Verse 19, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus, that's important, to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord, that's important, that shortly I myself will come also. So earlier in chapter 1, Paul briefly said, hey, uh, I'm going to come visit you guys again. And then he starts going off on Jesus, which is a good thing. But he picks that back up. uh, And he could have just said, hey, I'm going to come to you. And he didn't even have to mention that he's sending a letter because if someone's carrying a letter, you know they've been sent, right? They're right there. So why does he even mention Timothy and this other guy right below him, Epaphroditus? Why does he mention them at all? So could it be that Paul is writing this, God is using Paul to write this, and God brings to his mind two young men who exemplify the character of Christ, who's obedient unto death, like he gave up himself, and he said, hey, God, your will be done. Or maybe could it be that he knew the church in Philippi would hear the the character and the humility and and the oneness, the unity of Christ, and see that, oh, maybe that's, maybe that's too lofty a goal. I don't know how I would do that. He's God. Uh, and so he's going to give us a couple examples in the flesh to follow. It's, it's kind of like uh, years ago, we were, we were doing this event called Passion. We would take our college students. We'd go to Atlanta, and we'd find 80,000 of our favorite Jesus people, right, from all around the world. And we'd make much of Jesus' name. And in one of those, we said, hey, we're going to go on a ski trip afterwards. We're this young adult ski trip. Uh, we'll do a Bible study as well, because that helps you do a ski trip. And we're like, okay, we're studying the Bible too, and the slopes, right? God's creation. You got the whole thing, right? And so we're going, but I would not really skied before. I maybe had done it once. And so I was like, I need to prepare for this. And so my preparation was the Winter Olympics. And so how many of you like the Olympics? Anybody? USA, right? And so I would watch the Olympics. It was earlier that year. And I was like, okay, I could do this. Like they're, they're just sloping down these mountains, super G, the black diamond, whatever. And I was like, okay, their knees, their knees. Okay, I can, I can, you know, make some snow fly. It'll be great. Uh, and so I get there and it turns out you can't just watch Olympic athletes and then just copy them. Yeah, it turns out when you're big, you're really good at going fast. Not so much at all the other stuff, like, like turning uh, and like stopping that whole pies and fries thing. It doesn't work when you're, when you're up there. And so uh, you need like a tree or a fence to stop you uh, sometimes. And so Paul's thinking maybe these Philippians are like, man, that Jesus, yes. And I have the Holy Spirit in me. Yes, you told me that. But that seems really hard. Is anybody actually doing that? And so Paul gives us 
an example. And he says, I hope to send Timothy to you soon so that he can hear the good news of what God's doing in Philippi. Because remember, Paul's still in prison. He hasn't had a trial yet, or Paul would go himself. He can't go. And he says, my hope, I hope to send Timothy. Look how he qualified it there in verse 19. He said, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you once we know what's going to happen. Like he qualifies it in the Lord. This was not something Paul would just tack on uh, in case he changed his mind or there was a better offer. Hey, come to Spain. We've got an extra room for you. Uh, there's brisket here uh, with nachos probably and queso. Uh, and no, like he put it on there because that's how Paul lived his life. Like he, he naturally thought in terms of being committed to God's will and not his own. Like if you remember in chapter one, he said to live is Christ. He wasn't just a part of his life. Christ was his life. And so everything Paul says, he thinks, he does, he plans, all that is couched in, in the Lord Jesus. And so it's not like we use the word hope. Sometimes we hope we'll pass that test that we didn't study for, but we told our parents we did right? Uh, or, not that that's ever happened before uh, in my family, but uh, sometimes we're like, I hope I get this promotion that I interviewed for, or I hope, I hope that the Astros beat the trash Rangers. Um, but it turns out that sometimes we hope, like there's things that we really don't have control over. You may have a little bit of control, like study, That'll help. Uh, but on the other things, you don't control what a company decides. And even if you wear your lucky jersey every day and don't wash it on game days, it turns out the Astros can still lose. Uh, and Michael had his, his unbuttoned because that was the lucky way to do it. And it didn't, it didn't turn out uh, the way uh, it was supposed to. And so Paul, he qualifies. He says, I hope in the Lord. And you read in verse 24, he says, I trust. Like, it's like he's run it by God, and God said, yes, you're going to send Timothy. And so Paul's like, yeah, that's what I do. And the reason he's sending Timothy is not the normal reason. It's for their benefit, yes, they're going to hear about Paul's imprisonment, catch him up. But also, Timothy's going to come back and share with Paul what's going on in Philippi, because there was opposition to the gospel, to Jesus, and he wants to hear about what's going on in the church because it turns out Paul was a real guy who was in a real prison in a real city of Rome. You can go there today uh, and he was not immune to anxiety or hurt or sorrow and so he wanted to be encouraged by what God was doing in this church that he loved and they loved him. And so the question that God was hitting me this week out of the text and I give to you this morning because I want to be obedient is, is your hope in God's plans or yours. Like when you think about how you make decisions, how you decide when you're planning your day, your week, your family vacations, how you're going to love your neighbor or not, what you're going to do here. What, like where is your hope when you're buying a house, a car, what, choosing what college to go to, what relationships uh, are going to happen? Do you base it in your plans or God's plans for your life? Because it looked like Paul he said, I hope in the Lord. Like, whatever the Lord is doing, like, that's what I want to do because his plans are better. Uh, and then Paul continues in 20 through 24 to talk about Timothy that he's sending. He says, there's no one like him. 
He says, if, if I can't go, I'm going to send my very best. I'm going to send you Timothy. There's no one. Literally, it means like-souled or like-mind to you. And he, he says, here's why. is because he's genuinely going to be concerned with the welfare of, of the church and of you guys. Not like some that he talked about in chapter 1 that would preach or they would do things for their own advantage, selfish ambition. He says, no, Timothy's not like that. He's going to love you like I love you. And he has proven character, which means he didn't just go to a summer camp and go, yay, God, like, and then nothing. Like, no, Timothy has been in Christ, in his faith for time. Like it's been years. He was a young man. He was probably 16 or so when Paul comes across him in the faith. And so he's grown up. There's proven character. You can trust this guy. Uh, And Paul wants to send him. He hopes to send him once he knows how his trial goes. Notice, notice Paul, it never looks like Paul has to encourage, coerce, pay Timothy to go do this. It looks like uh, Timothy like didn't have to uh, figure out the, the payment plan. Hey, send us some more funds so I can fund this trip with Timothy. It looks like Timothy was all in. It looks like Christ was his life also. Like if, if I'm supposed to stay in Rome and help Paul with ministry to his neighbors, to the people handcuffed to him, like, haha, joke's on you. You get the gospel every day because you're handcuffed to me. Uh, I'll do that. And if God needs me to go to Philippi, like I'm, I'm in. He was all in And it looked like Timothy had a blank check kind of faith. Uh, And so I brought one of these. Uh, I tested it out on a student. They hesitated and they're like, oh yeah, I knew what that was. Uh, This is, if you don't know, this is called a check, right? It's actually paper fake money, but you can sign it and people will take this and give you commodities in exchange, right? Like I saw somebody at HEB using one of these. I saw the people behind her and I was like, oh, (laughs) but... But they're going. But this, you could take it and you would write on it the amount and then you'd sign it. They'd go to the bank. They could put it in there and it counted for money. And back in the day, if you, someone trusted you very much or you trusted somebody or maybe a business or an organization trusted you and your idea and your plan, they would sign it. They would put your name, but they would leave everything else blank. They would leave the amount blank. And they'd be like, you've got a blank check. Make it happen. Now, It's a dangerous thing to give to your student, maybe, or a contractor, huh? right? You don't just do that unless you trust them. And this is the kind of faith Timothy had. He came to Christ, he signed it, and he said, all right, God, my life, like my stuff, my talents, my family, my wants, my desires, my dreams, he put it on the table and said, here you go, God. The answer is yes. What's the question? right? Like he, he gave it all. And the question is, do, do we do that? Like, do you, do I, like, do we have a blank check kind of faith where no matter what God asked, even if it sounds crazy, like sometimes he asks crazy things just to see, because it turns out everything belongs to him anyway, by the way. Uh, but yeah, like, do you and I have a faith like that, where you trust that his kingdom is better than yours or mine. By the way, his never ends. Ours will. Even if you're great, you're in like a history book, uh, and you're somebody, somebody's kid's going to study it. If Christ doesn't come back soon, we'll study it years later, but our kingdom will fail. Like, do you believe he's better? Do you believe that God knows what's best for his glory and ultimately your joy in a way that's better than you? 
Because if God knows everything and he loves you perfectly, you can trust his plan. He's out for his glory and your good. And so Paul shifts his attention to another brother. He's like, hey, here's Timothy. But then he's like, well, if you don't like Timothy, here's another example of selflessness. Take a look. Uh, in verse 25, here we go. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for all of you and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God, there's that thing again, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, to you, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And so why does Paul do this? Again, he doesn't have to mention him. He's going to be carrying the letter. Why does he commend a church member from Philippi and he's sending them back? And, and, but he does. And so we're going to see. He says five things about this guy. Number one, he says he's his brother. And if you've been around church long enough or you read your Bible enough, one of the main metaphors for the church is called the family of God. Uh, I don't know about you, but growing up in the church, uh, everybody was brother or sister somebody. My parents were here in the first uh, service and they were, they were cutting up. But yeah, like you got Brother Harold, Brother Mac, Brother Bobby, all of them. And then my mom would call everybody aunt. Uh, and so it was very confusing growing up, knowing, trying to figure out who's my real family because none of these cats would come to Thanksgiving. I didn't get Christmas presents from any of them. Right? It's like, so who's really my family? Like, are we related to them or no? Like, they look kind of strange. I don't know if we are, but maybe we're kind of strange, right? And so Paul says, no, this is my brother. He's my fellow worker. Like, Paul used that language with those who would partner with him in ministry a lot. He would say fellow soldier. And so Paul's sitting there in a Roman cell dictating this. By the way, Epaphroditus is getting to hear this, so maybe he's encouraging his soul as well. But he sees the military trappings, and so maybe he's thinking like, man, I'm sending him to you like a, a wounded soldier, and he's going back for rest. And he says he was a messenger. He brought the message and the gift from the church and he says, it was almost as if he was a priest ministering to my needs. Like the love that that church had by sending funds and sending Epaphroditus was like a ministry to Paul. And so all of that to say Paul's point to them is very clear. Uh, in a culture where prisoners uh, were not cared for by the state, and if you wanted your needs met, like an important one would be food, uh, that had to be done by friends and family. And so them taking care of his need and even sending Epaphroditus was no small thing to Paul. And so he, he loves them. And notice in verse 26, Epaphroditus longs to see them again. But did you notice the reason? Like they were on his way and this was a large sum of money. So Epaphroditus was probably not traveling alone. And so he looks like he got sick on the way to Rome. Somebody goes back to tell him the rest go on with him to Rome, even at, at the risk of his life. And he's concerned about him. He's like, they know I'm sick, but they don't know that I've recovered. Uh, I want you to think back to the last time you were sick. Not like, oh, I had the snivels or I needed some Flonase. Uh, think about last time you were really sick. 
Uh, Because I can think of when I was. Think about how much you thought about other people. Yeah, it's funny. uh, Because there are times, I'll tell you, uh, when I've been sick. uh, And there are moments, there are moments of selflessness. Where I look and I see my wife and she's taking care of the family. She's doing the laundry. No one else loves laundry, right? It's a ministry of love. uh, And I felt bad for her because she's carrying the weight. The problem with that is like moments later, something hurts. And so I'm no longer concerned about her. I'm concerned about me, right? Like if you were in COVID, like I sat there for like 10 days, quarantine, couldn't be with family, but I was getting meals from you guys. They were good. Uh, Someone brought us Parmesan chicken. She was in the first service. I said, thank you, Lord, Uh, blessing. Uh, But yeah, we're consumed with us. And this guy, even in sickness, near death. I was not near death. I won't bring all that up, but uh, he was near death and he's thinking about his, his church, his family. And so even one of the writers I looked at said, hey, we read this way too casually because we have the benefit of modern medicine. Like in the ancient world, you didn't get near death and recover a lot. Like usually if you were near death, you were going to die. Uh, and Sad for you, like we can't do anything for you. Like we got these leeches, maybe let's amputate something. I don't know. They had all kinds of crazy things. But Paul said, no, he was near death and God healed him. Like God had mercy on him. And it looks like this was not just God's general mercy. This was not just common grace. It looked like God had a hand in his healing. Like the kind of healing where doctors and nurses go, I don't know how. It must have been something besides medicine that healed them. And Paul knew this would encourage them, even though Epaphroditus would be a help to him. So he sends him and he says, honor men like this. And that's not taking glory from God. He's saying, hey, men and women who risk their life for the gospel, you honor them. Because that's the thing they're doing. They're being obedient to God. They're risking their life for the kingdom that will never end. And Paul says, honor him. And what he's doing in person, you can't do because you're not in person. Like that's fulfilling your love in a way that he couldn't express more kindness. And so we get two examples from Paul in this letter that he didn't have to tell us about. He didn't have to tell them about. But they're examples with the same purpose. He's trying to encourage their faith. He's trying to encourage their striving for humility and unity and the holiness that marks us or should mark us as followers of Jesus. And so This is what we do. We read God's Word every week, and we look at, okay, what does this say? What does it mean? And then we look at, okay, how do we apply it? Because if you guys and me, like looking at this, God was preaching to me this week as I was reading, uh, if we don't apply it, if this doesn't bear weight on our marriage, on our language, how we treat our neighbor, how we treat that family member, that person we come in contact with, our kids, like then what what are we doing? And so just three simple takeaways from today. First is, who makes you thirsty for more Jesus? Like who in your life is an example, like Timothy, Epaphroditus, that you just, it stirs affection for God. I'll I'll give you quick three of mine. Uh, Me and Pastor David were at Chick-fil-A earlier this week, and we were talking uh, probably what everybody in Chick-fil-A was talking about, the end of Philippians chapter 3, trying to figure out who who these guys were, whose God was their stomach. It's rousing, I'm sure. Uh, But he just flips on his phone. He goes to his Lagos app, and he starts looking at these commentators on what they think this is. And I'm like, you have Lagos on your phone? And so I thought to myself, I need better tools. 
Like, I, I should strive for, like, quicker access to things that we have. Number two is Dylan. You see him most weeks. He's up here leading. Uh, we've been friends in ministry for many years, and sometimes he'll do songs I don't like. Go figure, right? Because we're different. And they'll have to grow on me, and he'll challenge me, and we'll challenge each other. And he'll be like, bro, no, this is a good song. I go, bro, the melody's terrible. Like, it's hard. Uh, and then he's like, no, look at the text. And then I'm like, you're right. That's good stuff. That's not creative writing. That's just scripture put to music and God reshapes my heart. I'm like, no, I dig this song. Like, so when I'm in worship, he makes me thirsty to make much of Jesus' name like we do. And finally, I got a friend named Philip. He's with a group called No Place Left. Uh, and, and their goal is like there won't be any place left that hasn't heard the gospel, similar to you guys uh, with, with hearing the word. And he's sharing the gospel all the time. Like it, it, on some levels, it makes you uncomfortable. Uh, but then there's spots where like we were at Cane's. Again, I have a fried chicken ministry that God has called me to. It's hey, the gospel works everywhere. And so we're there and we're just ordering Cane's right there at Dixie Farm. And, and the ladies, they're taking his order. And he's like, hey, if God could do anything in your life, what, what would you need him to do? And then he just shares the gospel with her. And I'm like, I should do that more. Like, I, so it gets, and guess what I do that next week? I have more gospel conversations. I have more Jesus conversations because I'm around. It makes me thirsty to share the good news that you can have peace with God more. Who makes you thirsty for Jesus? If you don't have anybody in your life, you need some different friends. Like you shouldn't be the, the most Jesus person in your circle. You need people to sharpen you as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another Two, Do you have a blank check kind of faith? Like, have you given God everything? Or were you just like, God, I'll give you 5%. May I'll give you 10%. I'm in church, right? And you can have 10% of my life. The 90% I'm going to keep to myself. I'm going to do my own thing. I got my own plans, my own vacation, my own retirement, my own extra things. Or have you written it and said, hey, God, whatever you want to use for your kingdom, I'm in. Because he owns everything. Again, he owns everything anyway. Your job, your spouse, your kids, your truck, it could start leaking. Trust me, it, it could do it. But have you, do you have that kind of faith where you trust that God knows what's best and wants to use you as a blessing, a conduit of blessing to the nations? Like he said, way back in Genesis, that's what we're supposed to be. Like the, the extra that God gives us is not meant to terminate on you and me. It's meant to be a blessing. So God, how do you want to use my life, my gifts, my talents, even your time, how you plan out your week. Do you look at what, what God, what do you want to do with my time? And finally, some of you, uh, I would ask, like, do you have faith at all in the Jesus that Paul's been talking about? Like, do you? Like, because it's possible in America, especially, to be around church. You can come church. You can actually belong to three different churches. Uh, and you can be in some groups. You can look like someone who goes to church. You can have a cool cross necklace. Maybe even that cool tattoo, like Jose Alvarez, uh, maybe. And not know Jesus. Like, you can know things in the Bible and believe none of it. It's possible. And so I ask you, do you know this kind of Jesus with this kind of relationship? Because, like, again, Paul was a real person with real struggles, and he trusted a real God. Like, we believe Jesus came, really came, and he really lived a perfect life. He really died on a cross, was buried, and he rose again. Like, that's why I'm with that guy. Like, if he didn't raise again, then I'm out. And that would have been debunked in the first century, right? And so have you come to the point where you agree with God about your sin, which is usually worse than we like to admit, 
And then you go, hey, God, I'm going this way, but I want to repent from my sin. I want to go this way. And then you put your faith and your trust in Jesus. There's no magic prayer. There's no magic formula. You don't have to be scared of hell because heaven is not for people scared of hell. It's for people who love Jesus. And again, God, that's what God does. That's a heart thing, and that's what He does. And so in a moment, we have a chance to respond. And so if you uh, want to pray with somebody, we're, we're here. We'll have some pastors down here. If you just want to pray because God hears you up here, you can. You can from your seat. Turns out He's God and can do anything. Uh, but if you'd like to talk to somebody more about that, man, hit us up or hit us up in Guest Central afterwards. And so I'm going to pray for us. If you guys would stand, we're going to have a time to respond uh, in obedience to see what God has for us this morning.